0: I've got quite Asian hair and it's flat and I got told by the hairdresser that you'll always have a middle part and no matter how much hair product you'll put in it, it will never stick up, which is what all I wanted to do was have this big hair and that was quite depressing to hear that from a hairdresser and I believed them.
1: Welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C-Method, communication skills training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hey there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 150 of Stand Out Get Noticed. Wow, episode 150. I can't believe it. That's almost three years straight this show has been running. want to say a big thank you to you for being a supporter and for being a listener. So cool. Okay, this episode is a very special one, of course, because it's episode 150, and I wanted to do something special for this episode and bring on someone who is very special to me. So for her fourth time back on the show, I'm very excited to be joined by talented nutrition and mindset coach, passionate LGBTIQ advocate, and the wonderful inspirational sister of mine, Lizzie Cantors. If you've been a regular listener of the show, you may have heard Lizay in episodes. Um, it was 83. She took, took over the show for a week. She made an appearance in episode 100 and also episode 126. And she is absolutely fabulous, which is why I keep bringing her back. Now on this podcast as in on Stand up Get Noticed, I've recently been talking about identity and how we see ourselves. And I keep coming back to it because I've been getting incredible feedback from, from you guys, from listeners emailing me to say, hey, that really resonated with me. I love that story. So I know that it's having an impact on you. Now, the cool thing is, Liz has an incredible story with powerful lessons around identity. So I thought I'd bring her on to share it in this episode. So if you have ever avoided or are currently avoiding change because of a fear of loss, for example, you fear leaving a, a toxic job or a relationship, or you're worried about changing your appearance, Liz's story will absolutely resonate with you. And if you have a bad habit you want to quit, we also touch on why we get addicted to things and how to turn an unhealthy habit into a habit that serves us and helps us to become a better person. Now, a quick warning. Lizé shares a piece of poetry that she wrote in this episode. It's beautiful. It's very moving. It's very personal. So get your tissues ready. But there are also a few swear words in it. So if you are offended by swearing or if you have kids around, you might want to switch off or skip forwards to about 12 minutes in um, and it's, we're all fine after that. Okay. I hope you enjoy this very special episode 150 with the wonderful Lizzie Cantors. Liz, Lisa, you did something recently that really moved me and really impressed me and made a huge impact, not just on myself, but also on a lot of other people too. And it's around the topic of identity and how we see ourselves and and also learning to remove things from our life that might be toxic and holding us back. And this topic of identity in particular is something that I've talked about on the show a couple times before and it's really resonated with people. Um, I've had a lot of response from people saying, wow, that had a big impact on me, I've been feeling a similar way. And so I know that your story is really going to make a positive impact on people. So firstly, can you share with us, in short, what was the thing that you did?
0: Yeah, so at the end of last year, I – Cut off all of my dreadlocks, which I'd had for about eight years.
1: Cut off all your dreadlocks. And look, she had amazing dreadlocks. Like these they were, were full on. They were down to what, your your waist? Yeah, they were very long, down to my lower back. Mm-hmm. And she'd been meticulously maintaining them for, for eight years. And, and not only did you cut off your dreadlocks, and we'll get to why this is significant in a moment, but it, it wasn't just the fact that you cut them off, it was the circumstances in which you did it. Can you share the story behind how
0: you actually went about cutting off your dreads? Yeah, so I actually did a spoken word um, course and in that course it it was six weeks and we had to learn how to eventually get up on stage and say a piece that we had written and this is something that I had never done before and I'd been to a lot of poetry nights and I just felt so inspired by the people up on stage and I felt like this is something that I would really love to do but I could never see myself doing it. So in that six-week course I um, made a decision to write a poem about my dreadlocks and I didn't know whether I was going to do it or not. I just wanted to write about them because I'd been feeling about feeling like cutting them off for a long time, a couple of years, but I had never had the guts to. So I wrote this poem, and at the end of the six weeks, I, I went and I signed myself up to do a spoken word um, performance at Mother Tongue in Melbourne, and I got up there and I said my poem, and as I said my poem, I cut all of my dreads off one by one and threw them out into the crowd. <laughs> and at the end of that performance, what happened? At the end of the performance, I got the biggest standing ovation. I had, I got flowers given to me. Um, my mum and my dad were there. I invited them. I didn't tell them what I was going to do. And they were standing up and I just, I was just overwhelmed with emotion and um, people were crying. I was crying. Oh, I was crying. Christina I was crying, was bawling. <laughs> the whole audience was on their feet, cheering
1: and screaming. It was so moving. And there were professional spoken word artists there who didn't get the same response as you did. Like you, <laughs> you, you stole the show that mm. night. Now, before we go further, I think it would be worthwhile for you to share that piece. Would you be able to do that? Yeah, share I'd love the piece. To. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this beforehand and I thought, you know what, I think the most effective way for you to, you know, get your main points and stories about this, uh, what you've gone through, about that across,
0: is to share the story. Yeah. Thank you. This hair, these knots, these long, gangly dreadlocks, ingrained with tiny little rocks, Sand and dirt from festivals and beaches, bits of fluff from the carpet, from people, mountains and countries. This hair carries stories. Each dread is unique. Some have evolved, some have not. Some have grown apart, some have been lost. I love them. I love how they make me look. I love how they make me feel. They make me feel special, they make me smile. They make my ego blush for a little while, like when I get these daily little compliments like, I love your hair. I love your dreads. Thanks. How long have you had them? Oh, about seven years. Do they smell? Nah, here you have a smell. Oh, it doesn't smell. Yeah, I know. (laughs) If you cut a dread in half, you'll see a bunch of grey shit. It looks like fleece fluff mixed with belly button lint. If you flick it, Some could fall off and fly up your nose. (laughs) I itch and I scratch. Bits of of dandruff fall onto my pillow. It's so gross, I know. Sometimes I disgust myself. I grab and I pull them. I want to rip them out, like weeds in a garden, sucking nutrients from the ground. They suck my energy. They suck my time. They suck bits and pieces of grime from the air and shit from the past, making my head... Even heavier. I hate this feeling of heaviness over my head. I can't run properly. Can't swim properly. I can't wear helmets properly. My neck is so sore and so fucking unsturdy. I've been thinking about cutting them off for years now. But a little voice keeps whispering to me. It says, I don't know how you'll pull off looking like you do. And bald. You're not pretty enough. Maybe do it later, just not right now. Maybe later. Maybe later. It's always maybe later. Maybe later will be when I'm 60 and my hair's all grey. I'll have dreads down to my ankles. I'll have a realisation and say, I wish I had more than one hairstyle. (laughs) I'd love to have it short for a while. Let it fly in the wind all crazy and wild. I'd run my fingers through it, put different colours in it, have long bits and short bits and shaved bits with patterns in it. I'd run my head under the shower every day, play around with the dogs, play soccer, just play without getting a fucking headache. Every day I strive to be something my hair does not represent. I'm trying to find my place in this world with confidence and self-respect, but how can I do that when my dreads are my comfort zone? I roll them and play with them when I'm nervous and all alone. They've done an excellent job of protecting me from all of my insecurities. It's been almost eight years now and I finally love who I am. The final mask is coming off in the most profound way that I can. I'm so proud of myself that I'm no longer insecure. These dreads carry disease from the past and cutting them off is the cure. Thank you i had to try really hard not to
1: cry again (laughs) because it always makes me cry thank you so much lizzie for sharing that now there are many lessons in there there are many like i can't even start like it is just so so dense so full Mm. of lessons and, and stories and anecdotes in there it's such a beautiful piece so well written and um, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I'm so proud of you for, Thanks, for putting that together and for performing it.
0: Oh, it was so nerve wracking. Christine has helped me so much with my confidence and my ability oh. to, to get up on stage. And so has Fleecey, who was the um, creator of the course mm. and the person who runs Mother, Mother Tongue.
1: What was the name of the course again?
0: It was called Speak Up. Speak Up. By Fleecy Malay. Mm, and I've been
1: talking about getting fleecy on the podcast too. Yeah. yeah we should do that. that so. great. <laughs> okay. So let's start because I want to unpack this. I want to share what you've learned with the audience because there are so many powerful things here. And I think the first big one that comes from it is around identity and how you saw yourself. Cause, so can you tell me more about when you had your dreads, how did you see yourself?
0: Mm, when I had my dreads, I saw myself as a snowboarder. Mm. I saw myself as a traveller, a bit of a gypsy, a bit of a um, free spirit that kind of didn't really care about anything. Because mm. when I got it, I was 21 years old. When you first got your dreads? Yeah, mm. I think so. I remember mum hated it. Yeah. I hate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you
0: got them done. And, yeah, yep. I got them done for reasons – so the reason why I got dreads is because I wanted to be this person, this traveling snowboarder, this, this, um, person that looked like that as well. Mm. I wanted to identify as that and be seen as that kind of person. And also I didn't really like any of the haircuts that I'd had previously. I've got quite Asian hair and it's flat and I got told by the hairdresser that you'll always have a middle part and you'll <laughs> always have flat hair and no matter how much hair product you'll put in it, it will never stick up, which is what all I wanted to do was have this big hair like when I was in school mm. and that was quite depressing to hear that from a hairdresser <laughs> and I believed them. Yeah. And so I thought the only way for me to – um you know, fix this problem is to get dreadlocks. Get I'm like, get rid of my side part, <laughs> my middle no part. No middle part. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was the reason why I got dreads and
1: that was. Were there any other reasons why apart from not wanting flat hair? Like why did you so strongly desire to be this snowboarder, adventurer, gypsy,
0: free-spirited person? Weren't you already that? I was already that. And I thought if I had my dreads, then I would look more like that. Okay. (laughs) Or people would believe me as that. I don't know. I don't know. I just looked up to people who had dreads. I wanted them and so I got them. Mm. I don't know if there was that much to it. But one of the big reasons was because actually I thought my head was a bit too small for my body. (laughs) (laughs) And I really wanted big hair, which is why I wanted to do my hair up. Like, it's quite aesthetic. Like, it It was a hugely aesthetic thing. Um, And I was all about that at the time. Yep. I wanted to look a certain way. Of course.
1: Yeah. And so, throughout the time that you had your dreads, how did your dreads then serve you and serve your identity?
0: Oh, it was great. I got compliments. Like yeah. like in my poem, like I'd get people coming up to me daily saying, "Wow, I love your dreads, they're amazing!" Or you know, how long did it take? And they just ask me questions about it, and I would get this great feeling like that significance, like oh, mm. you know, I look good, and people like this, and I yeah, I really loved that aspect of it. Mm. Mm.
1: And at what point
0: did you feel that they started to not serve you anymore? Ah, oh, it was just in the past couple of years. So for two years, I've been thinking about it. Um, I started focusing on my health, my fitness. I started running and I started swimming and I realized it was just hurting. Like these dreads were just like, like they were flopping around on my head and I had to try different ways to keep it, keep it, um, up there and not pulling on my scalp. And swimming was hectic because, you know, it'd get wet and it takes days. Well, it takes a whole day to dry, maybe two days to dry in the winter. And um, even lately, my partner had been spending hours on it, like every couple of weeks, just rolling them and making them neat. And they're just taking up so much time. And um, I would look in the mirror and, and, you know, I'd be starting a business. The past couple of years, I've been running a business and I've been wanting to be seen as a professional, Wanting to, wanting to see myself as a professional. And, and when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see that professional. I saw that rat bag snowboarding traveler. You know, I didn't, it, it didn't reflect who I wanted to be. Mm. And so I started having this conflict on the inside. You know, While I loved my dreads, I loved the compliments, it was holding me back from being the person that I wanted to be. Yeah, and I had these arguments in my mind all of the time and it, it, when it like any time I mentioned it to my friends or someone that I was close to, they'd be like, "No, don't do it. Don't do it." You know, you are, you know, they wouldn't say you are your dreads, but, you know, that's you. Mm. And and then I'd believe them. And I'd be like, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> but it's not me. What
1: was the fear? Cuz you did touch on this in your poem mm. about you had this, you'd look in the mirror and fear that if you cut them off, you wouldn't be pretty
0: enough. Mm. Can you expand on that? Well, that goes back to my, my head being too small for my body. <laughs> for some reason, I was lost. I just thought, you know, maybe when I'm feeling really confident in my body, then I will cut my dreads off. But that point never came. And I just had to, I just had to be confident in my body and love myself as I am to realize that I can still love myself and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I can still cut my dreads off and be who I am. Mm. Yeah. And there was a fear that when I did cut my dreads off that I wouldn't like myself or other people wouldn't like me. You know, that fear of being judged or that fear of not being loved you know, for the people that that I thought that maybe loved me for for how I looked by my hair, which is absolutely ridiculous because I don't surround myself with people who love me for how I look. Just for your hair. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then you were getting all these compliments from people. Yeah. And that starts to then – There was it, proof. It strengthens, yeah, wow, people love my hair. Mm. But it becomes less about you and
0: more about the hair then. I was afraid that I would lose that significance that I got from other people because where would i get it if i didn't get it from them mm. and i'd have to find ways to give that significance to myself you
1: know we were talking before we started recording um about the six human needs cuz so you you know you're a mindset coach you're a success coach mm-hmm. you help people to build up these strong mindsets and overcome their limiting beliefs can you tell me more about these these human needs cuz they tie in really strongly to what you're talking about i think it's a good time to you know, I think we should talk about that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Christina's probably talked about this on the podcast, what the six yeah. core needs are. So the six core needs are our need for certainty, our need for uncertainty, um, significance, connection or love, and growth and contribution. And so um, everyone needs to satisfy and fulfil these needs to feel fulfilled in their life mm. And to have balance in their life as well and what we tend to do is we is we satisfy these needs resourcefully or unresourcefully so resourcefully could be like um you know having a need for certainty would be to have a really good ritual or morning routine that feels really good however an unresourceful way to fulfill certainty would be to drink alcohol or smoke or smoke because or... you know it's going to be, you
1: know the effect it's going to have. I know that if I drink, I'm going to get drunk. Exactly. I know that if I smoke, it's going to relax me, exactly. or I'll get to go outside and hang out with the other smokers and take a break.
0: Mm. Mm. And then, you know, for your need for variety, something different, your uncertainty, a healthy way to do that would be to, you know. Go running or challenge yourself or do something exciting or have fun or hang around with friends.
1: Or sign up for a, a physical challenge, yeah. maybe a race. Yeah. Or, yeah.
0: And um, an unresourceful way would be to create drama in your life. Yeah. Or something that, that isn't – that's the word I'm trying to say.
1: Something, something that excites you, that isn't boring. Yeah. I think
0: people who have... And it's sustainable. What's sustainable? For it to be resourceful, it needs to be sustainable. Okay. Sure if it can last. So a lot of the like unresourceful ways that we fulfill our needs, they don't last. They don't help us live long and they're not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. And so how this ties in with cutting my dreads off, it was giving me this certainty. So I knew that it would make me feel good by having these dreads and it would give me this significance and people would be telling me that they loved my dreads and that would make me feel good. It gave me that connection, that connection to complete strangers who Mm. would never talk to me if I just, you know, had normal hair but they would come up to me and talk to me and start conversations about my hair and that gave me that connection and I really loved that. You could say it gave me growth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it certainly growed. Yeah, it, it grew. Grew. Growed. It, it grew. <laughs> I'm Christina. I'm a communications coach and I say growed. It
0: grew longer <laughs> and I felt good about my hair growing longer because that gave me more significance yeah. as well, that time that went by. It was giving me so much in my life that – I was afraid to let go of it because then these needs wouldn't Mm. be met by my hair. I would have to find other ways to meet those needs.
1: And for those of you listening, I want you to think about an area of your life. Maybe that maybe it's a a destructive habit or something that's unhealthy or unresourceful, as you would say, Lizay. And what, what is something that you're doing in your life that might be unresourceful, but it's meeting those needs? And I think it's if, they, if it meets three or more needs, it's addictive. So mm. if it ma- helps you connect with others, if it mm. provides you certainty, if it gives you significance, then
0: that's that's going to be addictive. Mm. It and can it, even be a toxic relationship.
1: Mm, so even if something is certainly bad, like if you know that this job is going to be terrible or this relationship is, is 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 unhappy for you or make causes you unhappiness, that's still certainty. Mm-hmm. Like. People would still rather have the certainty of a bad relationship or a bad job than no job at all or no relationship because then it's too uncertain. Oh, no, who am I going to be with?
0: Mm. I don't have that
1: significance anymore. I've got no one to argue with me. I don't feel significant anymore. Mm. It's powerful stuff.
0: Mm. The same goes with eating food. Mm. So if you are overeating because you are stressed in your job and you come home and you know that eating this food is going to make you feel better, then – you know, that's something that's unresourceful because you'll be putting on weight if that's how you deal with your stress.
1: Mm. So therefore, if you want to quit a bad habit or end, end something that's unresourceful for you, you must replace it with something that also meets the same needs. Is that right? Mm, that's right. So it would be an example of a a healthy, a healthy way to deal with your stress instead of eating food.
0: Well, it would be going to the cause of the stress. So what is causing you stress? Is it your job? Is it your relationship? Is it your kids? Um, And then when it is, talk about it, mm. find out, eliminate the stress. If there's too much work going on, then maybe you should rethink or have a conversation with your boss. Mm. We all have choices. That's the thing. Sometimes we feel like I can't change anything because – You know, my boss is making me do all this stuff, or I can't change my routine, or I can't do thing, can't change any of my situations because um, that's just how it is. When in actual fact, that's not true. You have the choice, you have the power to decide what you will and what you won't do. Mm. And when you reclaim that power, then that's incredible. And it can all start with our language. So instead of saying, Oh, I can't do this because of this, my boss, I can't do this because my boss tells me I have to do it. Instead, say, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to go to dinner tonight because I have other priorities. Mm. Instead of saying, I can't.
1: And similar when people say, Oh, I don't have time for that. Mm. Or oh no, I don't. I don't have time to do that. If you replace that with "I'm not prioritizing that right now," it really changes things because it turns it back on you. It puts it back into your control. Like people say, oh, "I don't have time to go to the gym." It's like, well, no. You're just prioritizing sleeping in. Yeah. It's not that you don't have the time. Yeah. You know, and some people are super busy and they still manage to fit in so many things because that's what they're prioritizing.
0: Mm. Yeah and it's amazing like once you realize that you have that power and you can do whatever you want it's just that you are deciding to do what you want to do because it works for you in some kind of way it's fulfilling a need that you have in some kind of way then allows you to look at what it is and decide whether you're actually going to do it or not mm. let's talk about
1: loss of identity for a moment um because we've we've been speaking about this before and something you mentioned in your in your poem was this fear of if you didn't have the dreads anymore you would no longer identify as this person which then creates a sense of loss in yourself can you explain why this is so powerful so impactful for people this like this loss of identity
0: mm yeah definitely so this loss when you get rid of something that you identify with so much so you have your identity buried Somewhere in between your, you know, in your hobby or your career or your looks. So, what I had for so long was my in- identity was embedded in my hair. That's who I was. And if I had a very, you know, a very thought of not having that hair, oh my God, I felt depressed. I felt like I would have been like losing something so huge, a part of me. And when we do lose something, like our identity, if that's our only identity, then we can become depressed. So because it's like when
1: people identify themselves as a partner in a relationship and that relationship ends, then that whole part of their identity is gone mm. and that's how people fall into depression because of that. Or even losing a job. If you only identify as that particular role, or that person in that role, mm-hmm. and then you lose your job,
0: mm-hmm. then that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, it can hold you back and it can keep you in the same place for a very long time if you don't do anything about it.
1: Can you give an example?
0: Well, like staying in a job. Mm. If your identity is in that job and you had other opportunities to grow and get to a better position or um, go to a different company that would be paying you more. But if your identity is in that position, and you have that significance from the people below you. You have that certainty that you'll be getting paid this much. You'll have the variety you might have the variety in your job that you really love, and you're growing. I mean, maybe that's a great a great job for you, but if there are other opportunities out there, then it might be holding you back. Mm,
1: absolutely. Have you read the book uh, Fixed and Growth Mindset? No. about the fixed and growth mindset. No. Yeah, it's interesting. It's by Carol Dweck. Um she talks about yeah, the difference between having a fixed mindset, which is where you think you're fixed in your intelligence and they don't actually seek growth at all. So people stay where they are and they're all about proving how smart they are, like proving their current intellectual capacity instead of saying, oh, no, I understand I'm not the most intelligent person here, but I want to grow. I want to build my intelligence level or my capability. Mm. So people are happy to move into that new identity. Or else fixed mindset people, it seems like they're not and they're very fixed in their belief about where they are or yeah. where they
0: should be. That's mm. awesome. One book that um, I've just been reading as well is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways Ooh. by Susan Jeffers.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that one. Oh, it's a great book. All right must must read. yeah. So tell me, Lizzee, now that you have been living your life without the dreads, well, how how is life son dreads? Oh, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm not looking back. It took me about two weeks to actually um, get over it. For two weeks, I had all these fears come up. So it's like, oh, my head's too small for my body. Oh, it looks weird. Look, my hair's flat, and um, yeah, I just had these fears, these beliefs that I Mm -hmm. believed for so long. They were coming up, and they were becoming true in my mind. And the more I went on and just kept doing things, the the more I realized that they weren't true. Like, oh, actually, I don't have a middle part. (laughs) I don't have flat hair, um, it actually looks really great. And my head's not small for my body. Like, can what I was I thinking? Say, can I just say,
1: I didn't? I had no idea you even had this fear of having a small head.
0: I never told anyone. I
1: can't say that I've ever looked at you and, and thought, hmm, Lisa has a really small head. It's <laughs> not ever come up for me.
0: <laughs> Don't worry. I never told anyone. This is stuff that was, like, deep inside me that I just, yeah, it was ugly, ugly thoughts that I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. And so those came up for about two weeks. And then after that, I just started loving it. And I love the feeling of lightness. It feels so light. And I can jump around and um, go running. I can go swimming. I can have showers and wash my hair in the shower like every single day, which is amazing.
1: See, all these things I just take for granted.
0: (laughs) It used to take me a a whole day to dry my hair. It's horrible. Wow. And you have to time it for a sunny day. And if it was in the <laughs> winter, you'd have to time it for the rare sunny day. And you'd have to make sure that you've got nothing important on. Um, so you had to base your shower scheduling around the weather. Yeah. All my wow. hair. Your I'd, hair. I'd shower every day. but <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> not my hair. And so, are
1: you happy? so you want to keep your hair short from now?
0: Yeah, definitely. And well, have different hairstyles. Very, it looks very funky. Thanks. I like it. Yeah, I've had lots of compliments on my short hair. <laughs> there you go. More than when I had dreads. <laughs> what was I afraid of? <laughs> oh, my God. Not that I should be getting my significance from other people. No. That's something that I I do try to fulfill all of my needs myself and not rely on external ways. Mm. Yeah. Well, Lise, I'm so proud
1: of you. You've come such a long way. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. And now – and now you are helping others to overcome their own fears and to achieve success. Can you, can you share a bit more about the work you're doing with Fearless Movement Collective and with your, um, substance addition, uh, sorry, lifestyle addiction work?
0: Yeah, sure. So. You may have heard Bowie on the on the podcast in earlier in an earlier episode. So Bowie's my partner and we have a business together called Fearless Movement Collective and we provide online fitness and nutrition coaching for transgender people and gender diverse people who want to physically change the shape of their bodies to match how they feel and how they identify on the inside. Mm, yeah, this comes back to the identity thing again. Exactly. Yep. So my partner Bowie is non-binary, and they have what, what actu- does that mean non-binary? So, so on the so the, there's a difference between sex and gender. So sex is how you were born, um, male or female or intersex, and then you've got gender, and gender can be can range anywhere between male, female non-binary which is somewhere in the middle um transgender so that's when one gender when that they, when they're born it's sex and their mm. gender is the opposite mm. so born female but gender is male or born male and gender is female um yeah and everything in between gender fluid um yeah so that's kind of what um non-binary it is. you can look it up on the internet right okay um Awesome. So
1: that's the work that you do there. And you also have a really um, popular Facebook page where you've got, you're building a strong community there for people who are going through lifestyle addiction.
0: and overcoming it. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, this is an amazing community. It's a really great support group. It's called How I Quit Drinking Alcohol on Facebook. On Facebook. So I started it three years ago. That's when I quit drinking alcohol, just as a way for me to um, talk about how I felt and my experiences in quitting drinking, all the things that I went through, the challenges. And it became quite popular. And in the past year, I've set up a Facebook group to support that page for people who really want to quit drinking alcohol. And it's such a great community. It's super supportive. There's no doom and gloom and depression and stuff like that. It's it's just it's allowing people to do and be who they really want to be and it's supporting them becoming that because once we start focusing on what we want in life and achieving things that we really want to achieve then there is no need for drinking alcohol. It's just like the six core needs. Mm. It's, a, it's um, a group that helps us sup- like fill up all of our needs in very healthy, resourceful ways so that the unresourceful ways that we use with dealing with our crap, um, they just naturally fall off and it's amazing to see the transformations in that group. Amazing.
1: Well, Lizay, you are absolutely wonderful. You're doing such amazing things, and um, I've been personally really enjoying watching your businesses grow and develop, as as have as as well as watching you grow and develop. Um, I'm so excited to see what you know what's in store for you and Bowie. So, if people want to connect with you, so they can go to the Facebook page. How I quit drinking alcohol. Yep. Um, how else can
0: they connect with you through your website? Uh, yep. So with Fearless Movement Collective, yep, you can just go to Fearless Movement Collective on Facebook okay, or fearlessmovement.co. I'll
1: put links to that anyway in the show notes
0: so people can easily connect with you. Yeah. So if you're struggling with um, alcohol addiction, then yeah, come join the group. It's an amazing uh, community and we'll support you.
1: Love it. Thanks so much, Lizzie. Thanks, Chris. So proud of Lizzie Cantor's for opening up her heart and sharing her story with us on the podcast this week. Isn't she amazing? Make sure you connect with her, okay? Connect with her and tell her how amazing she is. Again, you can reach out to her on her Facebook page. It's called How I Quit Drinking Alcohol or at FearlessMovement.co. That's FearlessMovement.co. I'll also link it up in the show notes at thecmethodcom slash 150 you <laughs> Now, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got value from it, if it resonated with you, if it struck a chord with you, then I promise that there is someone that you know who will benefit from it too. So please do share it with your friends, share it on on, on the socials, um, tag them, whatever it is, email it to them. Make sure that they hear this because it is so powerful and you are doing them a disservice if you do not send it to them. So that's That's my call to action for you this week. Share it with someone who you think would also benefit. And to those of you who do continue to share it with your friends, with your colleagues, with your networks, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, It means a lot to me and it makes a big difference to the success of this podcast. So thank you. And that is all from me this week. I'm actually recording this quite late at night. I've just got back from... Um, a conference I've been speaking at in Sydney and I realized, oh no, I can't release episode 150. I can't, I can't not release 150 on the day. You gotta do that. So gotta do what you gotta do. So I'm up late recording this for you, which is why I'm, I'm probably sounding a little bit, uh, a little bit tired, a little bit husky in my voice. Um, but I really did want to get this out for you and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.